Hello, and welcome to Exploring Health Equity. In this podcast, we'll hear from community members, doctors, professors, and more on urban health disparities. From the Rodham Institute at George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences in Washington, D.C., I'm Diana Flott. And I'm David Flott. The work that the anthropologists were doing pointed out that why should a young person, you know, in their early 20s care about HIV when they were going to be dead from gun violence at 25? That was Dr. Albayumi, the founder of the Rodham Institute. In this episode, we'll introduce you to the basics of the health disparities in D.C. and what the Rodham Institute does. As part of the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences, a medical school founded in 1824, the Rodham Institute is action-focused, seeking to achieve health equity in D.C. through the power of education and with the input of the community. Dr. Gigi Elbayumi, a professor of medicine at GW, founded this institute in 2013. She has worked with the D.C. community for many years, serving on the boards of Center for Women Policy Studies, National Women's Health Network, Arts for the Aging, and currently for Whitman Walker Health. Here, Dr. Obayumi describes what inspired her to found the Institute. Here I was, living in Washington, D.C., the capital of arguably the richest country in the world, and yet our HIV rates are the same as Namibia, the infant mortality rates are the same as El Salvador and Cambodia, and Washington, D.C., as far as I know, still this is true, is number one per capita in end-stage kidney disease, cancer mortality, and HIV. I said, you know what, that's embarrassing, that's shameful, that's obscene. How could this be? And I felt that, you know what, I you know, need to do something about it. And I have a voice. I take care of lots of patients, from homeless to a lot of political VIPs. And I said, you know, I, I don't think many other people have that opportunity. And so when I began to talk to uh, Mrs. Rodham, Secretary Clinton's mother about this, and then eventually the president and the secretary, this was something that they really supported. And so the institute is something that I created. I've gotten support, financial support from them, but not exclusively. And that's how the Rodham Institute got started. As Dr. Elbayumi described, despite being deemed one of the healthiest as well as wealthiest cities in America, Washington, D.C. has left a large part of the city behind. The life expectancy of the rich and the poor in D.C. differs by 27 years. While Ward 3 has an average family income of about $220,000, Ward 8 has an average family income of only about a tenth of that, at 22.6 thousand. Wards 7 and 8, which have high concentrations of African Americans, have hypertension, diabetes, obesity, and sexually transmitted diseases at much higher rates. The Rodham Institute has a three-pronged approach to leveraging its status as an academic center. First, Youth Educational Programming, and Workforce Development. The Institute has three main programs that work on this issue. The first, named HELP, 
is a program for high school students that aims to promote health advocacy and expose students to medicine through a series of short camps. The majority of these students are from Title I schools. To learn more about this aspect of the Rodham Institute, we talked to Tracy Bass, Director of Workforce Pipeline Programs at the Rodham Institute. So the HELP program is the Health, Education, and Leadership Program. And it's a program to get middle and high school students interested in healthcare careers, but most importantly, to get them interested in to go on to college, even if their focus isn't health-related. In addition to this program, the Rodham Institute has the HELP Academy program, which is a similar program starting with middle schoolers, and PATH-C, a consortium working towards the same goal. We'll delve more into this topic in another upcoming episode. The second main focus of the Rodham Institute is training current and future health professionals in applied health equity. Dr. Elbayumi described one situation with a patient where this kind of education comes in handy in understanding a patient. I saw a patient with one of the residents who said, you know, this lady's not taking her insulin. She's not compliant. And I said, well, let's go see her together. So I said, hey, you know, I, I see that, you know, it's been a challenge for you to take your insulin. What's been going on? She proceeds to tell me that she has children with special needs. She's working a full-time job. Her brother is in a wheelchair and she's his primary caretaker. She barely has time to even, you know, have any time to herself. And that that non-compliance was really because she was overwhelmed by a whole lot of responsibilities that she had no control over. And so we changed the conversation instead of one that was punitive or judgmental to one of, well, what do you think we can do or you can do that would make it easier for you to take your insulin? Are there things that, in terms of the timing of when you take it that just make sense for you? Um, are there foods that would be easier for you to either prepare or have prepared um, already ready to eat so that it's not a burden for you and your family? So those are the kinds of the social determinants of health, but also just knowing who a human being is and understanding them uh, before you launch into what you want people to do, right? And doctors, we have a tendency of telling people what to do without sort of asking them first what is going on in their lives and what they would want to do. So this notion of competing priorities is one that I don't think that we in the medical community have grasped. So community and human beings, you know, if they're going to choose between feeding themselves and feeding their kids, most people are going to feed their kids, right? If you're going to choose between eating and taking medications, people are going to eat and so on and so forth. So it's not that people don't know or don't understand what, you know, what to do. Most of the time people do. Yeah, sure, everybody could get educated, of course. We all can learn more, but it's that they have competing priorities. Just like the woman that I mentioned who was having trouble taking her insulin because of all the other responsibilities that she had. Here, Dr. Albayumi explains why training clinicians in health equity is so important to her. After I was here at 
GW working as an academic or a medical educator, it became very clear that I wanted to impact how students and then residents thought of the people they were serving. And one thing that really bothered me quite a lot was people would start medical school for all the right reasons. And they were excited. They wanted to serve others. Many of them had done a lot of community work. And yet, by the time they were done with their residency, they were really different people. They were jaded. They were just cynical. And the very people that they had promised to themselves that they were going to take, they were no longer interested in. I reflected a lot about that. I'm like, why is that? And I put a mirror up to myself and I said, you know, we're the problem, meaning academic medical educators, because we do nothing to engage the students or the learners with their community in real time during their training. So that what they see when they see a patient, let's say somebody who's homeless with HIV, with a mental health you know, issue with a men medical problem like pneumonia, is that they see that that's more work for them. And so if you're going to take care of a patient like that with pneumonia versus a college professor, it's a lot easier to take care of the college professor, right? Because you give them the instructions, you tell them what to eat, where to get the antibiotics, and they follow that. Whereas the homeless, mentally ill woman with HIV and who's got pneumonia is not going to. And we as doctors really like for people to do what we say. So I felt that having our learners meet the community members when they were not sick, to know about their lives and where they came from and what parts of the city, and to really also understand all of the other spokes of the wheel called healthcare, including the nurses, the nurse practitioners, the doulas, the physician's assistants, everybody, and then the advocates, the people who are in the community-based organizations or for the not-for-profits, whoever is really interested in healthcare, how do we keep that learner, that medical student, interested in the same way that they were when they first joined us? One of the methods through which the program does this is holding an annual See the City You Serve, which is essentially a bus tour of Wards 7 and 8. This type of educational experience, now the fourth for GW, began in the 60s at Case Western. The Rodham Institute has also added an elective and a concentration to the residency curriculum at GW, as well as regular teach-ins. For faculty, staff, community providers, students, and interested community members, the Rodham Institute holds professional development seminars. Sarah Mutnick, Rodham Institute's Director of Health Equity Education, explained more about how this works. Another program that we run is our, our professional development seminars. And so these are seminars that offer continuing education credits and they're interprofessional. And why I've, I'm passionate about it, why I think they're so cool is that we pretty much have free reign in the topics that we're able to provide so that we're able to offer education on topics that are relevant to providers and sometimes can even fulfill relationship requirements. Last year we did two professional development seminars, one on treating and diagnosing HIV in African-American women, 
and a second one on LGBTQ cultural competency. And both of those were filled relationship requirements for the District of Columbia and for all healthcare providers. So they were able to accomplish that by taking this course. The reason that I'm so passionate about it is because I've worked to truly make it interdisciplinary and we're able to offer continuing education credits, not just for physicians and nurses, which is a little bit easier to get through an academic medical center, but also through the National Association of Social Workers. And so we're able to offer credit for social workers and psychologists and most other um, licensed health professionals as well. The third focus of the Rodham Institute is community collaborations. The importance placed on working with other organizations has been a core part of how the Rodham Institute works since its founding. It was suggested by uh, Secretary Clinton, who was there at our first summit, that we, because we're in D.C. and it's relatively small and everybody's kind of close together, we could create a model that was fiscally responsible sustainable, where we shared resources, we didn't reinvent the wheel, and could be upscaled. And so that has been our model. The Rodham Institute also promotes collaboration by holding events for organizations that work towards decreasing health disparities. These events include things like the Rodham Institute Annual Summit, where the Rodham Institute brings together community, academics, and healthcare providers to talk about these issues and how we can collaborate to address them. The Rodham Institute also holds a series of community health connects, which are informal educational and networking events for community-based healthcare providers in DC. So it allows these providers to connect with each other as well as with other experts and resources. So these are just some of the ways through which the Rodham Institute tries to decrease health disparities in DC. This podcast series is led by David Flott and Diana Flott at the Rodham Institute. We'd like to thank the Rodham Institute at the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences and the Johns Hopkins Digital Media Center. If you'd like to find out more or donate to the Rodham Institute, please visit our website at smhs.gwu.edu slash Rodham Institute. Thanks for tuning in to Exploring Health Equity.